welcome back to yet another episode of the Peaceful Body Podcast. My name is Inez Bai. I am your host. I'm coming at you from a very drizzly day here in Sydney. It is the middle of November. Well, it's the start of November, which is the middle of spring, and it is literally grey, rainy, and cold. But even on these days, I remind myself of the fact of how nice it is to get to be cozy, and I'm sending you all of the love wherever you're coming at from listening to this podcast. And if you're listening to this podcast, I would actually love to know, like, where are you listening to it? What are you doing right now? Take a screenshot, take a video, take a photo, post it on your Instagram story and tag me because I absolutely froth on seeing where you're at. Today, I'm bringing you an interview with Emily Bott, who is a health coach all around emotional eating, binge eating, body image, which is obviously really aligned with the work that we do here on the Peaceful Body Podcast. So it was amazing to get to dive deep into all of those topics, to shed a bit of light from different experiences. As I've said so many times on this podcast before, I love hearing people's personal experience because it really helps me to think about my own experiences in a different way and apply those lessons so that I can benefit from them as well. So enjoy this episode. We are currently open for enrollment for the Abundance Method, which is starting in less than 10 days if you're listening to this live. So we're starting mid-November. The Abundance Method is all about helping you to make better decisions around your food, money mindset, relationships, body image, and just your general mindset as well, because it's helping you to let go of being stuck in indecision and paralyzed by not knowing what the right thing to do is. Because when you step in and shift into an abundant mindset, you know that there are so so many opportunities out there. You know your worth and that makes it so much clearer to you how to make the best decisions, create more opportunities for yourself and just live your best life. It is honestly such a foundational course that everyone needs to get around. So if you would like more information around that, just send me a DM on Instagram. Aside from that, we're actually in super duper early bird enrollment for the Peaceful Soul, which is my group mindset coaching program. It's high level of support. We talk all about changing your life so that you can create a lifestyle that's in alignment with your values, take action on your goals, and really bridge the gap between intellectually knowing, okay, this is what I want to be doing and this is what I should be doing, to being actually able to embody it and trust it within yourself so that you can go and create a life that is really like of your dreams, a life that you desire without constantly needing to justify yourself. So if that program sounds like something you'd be interested in, also send me a DM on Instagram and we can have a chat about which program suits you the best. And I'm always eager to hear from you. Let's get stuck into today's episode and let me know what you think. I'm always keen to hear some feedback and what you're loving about the podcast. Welcome, Emily Bott, to the Peaceful Body Podcast. I am super excited to have you joining us all the way from Chicago, which is very exciting. I mean, I'm sure I have an international, actually, I know that I have an international audience base for the podcast, which is the amazing thing about working online, but I'm very excited to have you on today. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm doing really well. Thank you for asking. It is getting super dark where I am right now. So I, uh, I'm a little sleepy right now, but it's all good because these conversations really just light me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's getting to the end of the day for you. So it's fair enough. And then after we have this conversation, you'll feel like so satisfied. You know, when you have had like a really productive day and you can just be like, mm. yep, I've ticked everything off. And then you can just like, Yes. do whatever you do, but run me through, uh-huh. like, what is a normal day for you? How was your day today? Yeah, it is so sporadic right now. Mm. <laughs> I am, oh goodness, how do I even begin? So this morning, let's see, I woke up. I'll just, I'll just give you the rundown of my Monday. Yeah, I'm ready. So I woke up at about 
uh, at 6.30, I do a little morning meditation, a little journaling practice to really just get my energy in the right place. I've found that if I do not wake up and really um, prioritize my mental health and my inner world, that a lot of the times I'm very reactive during the day. So not super great for an entrepreneur and all of the stuff. So I then moved my body pretty early. I did a little bit of, a, not a yoga practice, but more of a bar routine sort of thing, just on YouTube. Um, we're still in, I don't know about Sydney, but with lockdown and everything in Chicago, we just kind of reverted back uh, to more restrictions and all that. So I can't really go into different places at the moment to do my workouts. So I do that in the morning. Um, and then this morning I had a couple of client calls. I had a lot of just content creation. I was really in the flow of things today, which is super fun. Um, and yeah, now I'm here. That, that was a really bad <laughs> answer and description of my day, but it's, yeah. No, I love that. And that's, I mean, it's Monday for you now and it's Tuesday morning for mm -hmm. me just to mm -hmm. check. I feel like as well, it just, uh, this whole year, I keep getting confused with like what the days are because everything does just seem kind of similar and like we are so lucky here yes. in Sydney we've like we you know we had a couple of months where things were pretty hectic and we weren't mm. able to go to the gyms and that was that was so wild but honestly yeah. the past couple of months like I've been consistently being able to go to the gym which has been so nice because working out from home I've spoken about on this podcast mm -hmm. it's hard isn't it how do you find it it is oh my goodness it is so hard I so this is actually kind of funny um before lockdown happened, before COVID, the whole thing happened, I actually injured my knee pretty severely. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I had had to take a lot of time like out of the gym, which was something that was really difficult for me at the time because I was battling over exercise and just like gym mm -hmm. obsession. And so because of that, I had to really learn how to tone down my workouts um, in the couple months prior leading up to COVID. And then COVID happened. And so thankfully, I was already in a place where I had found a routine that I could do from my apartment and from, you know, um, from a very small living space, but it is definitely still something that is difficult because now I want to actually get back to the gyms and get back to my routines that I had in place earlier. And it is, it is really difficult. I, I would, I would have to agree with you. Mm, well, I'm sending you all of the good vibes and I'm hoping that you can get back to the gym very soon. But I guess, yeah. I guess in those moments of like frustration and challenge, is always an opportunity for you to explore something new. And I always say this to my clients, like it's kind of an annoying thing to say when you're like, oh, this is an opportunity for growth because it's okay. definitely wrapped in sandpaper and I get it. Mm -hmm. It was really nice <laughs> for me. Like for when I worked out from home, our gyms were closed for like three and a bit months and yeah. I had never, ever, ever worked out from home, but it gave me kind of a sense of confidence because I then had the experience of working out in front of her, in front of, well, in front of my housemates, which I'd never had to do before. And that was kind of like a weird level of vulnerability, but also mm -hmm. it just gave me this level of like, oh, I can actually work out wherever I am. Like I actually can do workouts that are so minimal, but I had a really similar experience to you in the sense that I tore my hamstring the yeah. month before the gyms closed. So I wasn't at the gyms mm -hmm. before that. And then we went into working out from home. But I think what mm -hmm. I've learned this year for me personally, and I'm, I wonder if you're the same, is I was always putting so much pressure on myself to be exercising a lot or to have done a certain hour, like, you know, minutes yeah. of exercise a week or whatever. But this year I have exercised less than I ever have. And I wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't say that my body looks that different really. And it just goes to show that we mm -hmm. put so much pressure on ourselves to do like 15 minutes extra more exercise. And if we don't do it, then we have not been as productive or we haven't done as well that day. 
but your body yes. knows like your body actually knows Literally. better like it doesn't need that much pressure like have you had a similar experience in terms of exercise as well oh my goodness yes <laughs> so <laughs> just for a little bit of context i like i said i was addicted to the gym for a very long time. Um, I think this does really stem back to when I was a kid. I was always super athletic. I was a cheerleader. I was a gymnast. So again, moving my body was something that was just ingrained in my personality for sure. And so when I got to college, which was when a lot of my disordered eating and all of these things really set in place, um, the gym or the the actual place that I went to was a like a hit uh, studio. Mm. So these, these workouts are super intense. It's like running and weights and running weights, running weights, and they are hardcore. I really became so, this became my crutch basically, especially in college when my eating habits and drinking habits were <laughs> all over the place. Mm. Okay. And what happened was I, you know, if I did not go to the, this hit workout at like 6am in the morning, I would basically have an anxiety attack. Mm. I would shake. I, I could not physically overcome so much of the, you know, the pain in my body, so to speak. The emotional turmoil and everything that was kind of going on inside was just too heavy, too hard for me to handle. And I had really abused exercise, right? I had found this outlet that could be, you know, so beneficial. And I think of so many benefits and I literally love it so much to this day, but mm. I found myself in this cycle where if I was not exercising to the point where I felt like I was going to pass out or throw up, I could not get through my day. Mm. And, you know, again, when I really started to, to shift this relationship, it actually was before I injured my knee. Um, but definitely injuring my knee was a my body telling me, Hey girl, you need to stop. Like this, you are, this is not healthy. But I, I did realize that it was becoming a severe obsession. Um, you know, a couple years after I'd really gotten into it because again, the intention behind the workout was just so debilitating. It, it was so fear-based, right? It, it was, I was trying to shift in and change my external appearance because I just hated who I was so much inside. And during that time, you know, it, it, I really did think that it was just about my body and the weight and the calories and all of those things. But, you know, as I've come to really dive into a lot of this work, I've realized so much more than that. It is so much more on the internal than it is the external. But again, I don't remember what your question was <laughs> because I'm going on a tangent, but I definitely did. I was able to finally shift the intention of my workouts and being able to move my body from such a place of compassion and, and self-love instead of that fear-based intention of I need to do this because I'm going to gain weight and I hate myself for doing that. Mm, you know, that answers the question perfectly. And I guess I kind of skipped over your introduction do you want to just like <laughs> kind of maybe frame who you are yeah no of course of course Give you a little intro to yourself yeah yeah okay so hi i'm i'm emily bot i am an emotional wellness coach i am how do i describe who i am in a nutshell basically i am somebody who went through an eating disorder from around 18 to 21 and after that experience i really started to shift how I viewed life, kind of the world, all the things, because it just really did fundamentally change so much of who I thought I was. Uh, going into that point in my life, I was a perfectionist. I was the people pleaser. I was doing everything quote unquote right. And I looked pretty, I don't want to say perfect from the outside, but it definitely gave off that mm. vibe of you've got your shit together. But my shit was very much not together. <laughs> when I got to college, I turned this obsession for perfectionism into it really channeled into like my body because 
this was the first time that, you know, I was not home. I, I had no real control over yeah. what was going on in my life. Um, and I had, I had really experienced a lot of anxiety my whole entire life. So as soon as it, is, as soon as it was all channeled towards my body and my looks and working out, that's when, you know, it, it really just took a turn for the worse. So I struggled with something called binge eating disorder, where I was really restricting heavily and I was working out during the week and I was like perfect. I was following my calorie plans and all of those things. And then the weekend would come and I would just basically out of control binge and overeat and just there, there was no integrity with my word. There was no integrity with my body anymore. I was so disconnected. And during that time, it was I didn't really understand what was happening to me. I thought that something had broken inside of me. I thought that the whole human thing just really didn't work out for me. Something mm. had just snapped. And it was really scary. <laughs> it was really scary. So I, you know, I was battling this disorder for a couple of years before I even told anybody because I was so embarrassed. I was so ashamed and I really didn't think I thought I was the only one experiencing it. Like I really thought that I was alone in my struggles. And because of that, I was, I couldn't speak out. I mean, what would people think of me? I was no longer the Emily that they knew. And oh my God, that was just too much for my, my mind to handle. So it was uh, my freshman year of, of college where I finally, yeah, freshman year of college where I finally opened up and just told one person. And after that, you know, I was... <laughs> This whole learning process because it did take me. I struggled again for a couple years after that, still with a lot of disordered eating, and then the exercise obsession and mm -hmm. all of these things really manifested differently. But I, the reason I, I talk about my journey so often is because I want people to know that, you know, one, you're never alone in what you go through, mm -hmm. and a lot of us experience a whole spectrum of battling food in our bodies. And while it doesn't always have to be the same experience, you know, verbatim experience for each person, I think there is so much community and there's so much healing in knowing that, you know, you're not alone in this whole human experience. And a lot of the things that we all go through, you know, there is a connection, there, there is a similarity in somebody else. So yeah, I, I guess now I really turned that that struggle of mine, that painful experience into my purpose, into my passion. After actually while I was still in college, I decided to pursue a, a life coaching certification and it's called Hungry for Happiness. I am just about to graduate now, which I'm so excited. And this is where my work comes in. Um, I, it really fundamentally shifted my whole entire paradigm of how not only I viewed the relationship to food and my body, but to life. It, it really did dive me into this whole other realm of just spiritual practices and really holistically viewing who I was, how I wanted to show up and kind of the steps to be able to get there and then also transform others' lives throughout that process. So yeah, that, that's kind of who I am in a nutshell. And I am absolutely loving the work that I'm doing. I, I'm so honored and so happy to have found the people and the community that I have and when I did because yeah, I, I'm just so thankful for everything that I've been through. Mm. Listening to you talk is so like such a mirror of my life because it, I've had such a similar experience. And uh, you mm -hmm. know, if you've listened to this podcast, you'll know that like I've so, like struggled with binge eating for a really long time, um, re mm -hmm. restrictive eating, like just disordered eating, like the big umbrella. And 
something that we like i i've had um a lot of kind of eating disorder specialists come onto the podcast and oftentimes we think eating disorders are only anorexia or like looking really thin and of course that's a really harrowing disorder to have but mm. also it doesn't have to be always so put into a box like often it's just like um, faulty thinking or restrictive patterns or, you know, not being able to see your worth beyond your food and how much you're eating. So just knowing mm-hmm. that if you're struggling with whatever you're struggling with, like what you said, there is um, someone else has felt the same way. People have also struggled in a similar way. And even though the experience might be a little bit different, you're never alone. And I always say that to my client, like whatever you are feeling, someone else will have felt that at some point before and being made to feel that what you're experiencing is normal is really such a key step to being able to mm. then go and seek help. Cause there is so yeah. much help out there, but it, it is so scary. And I remember really distinctly with any sort of challenge I've had in my life, to be honest, I've, it's mm. always, I've always felt like, Oh, well, I'm just not coping well enough. And that stopped me from getting help. Cause I didn't want people to know that I wasn't in air quotes coping, but actually if the sooner I was vulnerable, the sooner I was like open with what I was experiencing, then I could actually get the help or get my needs met. And I wasn't so ashamed of it anymore. And I think it's a really interesting experience that I'd love to kind of chat about as well, because in Australia, you don't really go away to college. You very much just go to like university Mm. at your house. So it's a very different experience. And like, obviously we like move out of home and whatever, but I would say for you, like going to moving to college, you're like moving out and it's the first time that you're kind of taking care of yourself. So what kind of impact do you think that has on like what you said, your mental health and your relationship with food and, Mm. and what kind of lessons did that teach you? Oh my goodness. So many. So first of all, that's so interesting that you guys, I did not know that you did Mm. not move out uh, uh, when you guys go to college. That's so interesting. Well, like you um, can, but like, it's not, it's as not common, you know, you, yeah. like most of which most people, most people honestly just like live at home for a yeah. while until we're like early twenties. And then we would move into a share house or something, but still go to uni, okay. but yeah, very different. See, I think that's more, like, that makes sense to me. Mm. I think I was not ready to move out at, mm. at 18, but that is kind of how we do it in America. We kind of just like, okay, time for college. Have fun. <laughs> Are you on the deep end? Yeah. Yeah. And so definitely did not serve me <laughs> to answer your question because what I really didn't realize at that point in my life was I was not meeting a lot of my needs by mm. myself. Kind of what you were getting to. I mean, if I were to do a life inventory of myself at 18, I was a hot mess express. I really only put my <laughs> yeah. hot mess express. I love uh-huh, uh-huh. I really only um, knew how to take care of myself in terms of school. And I, because I got good grades, because I threw myself into this work, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to be successful because at least I can get good grades and go to a good school. Well, there's a lot more to taking care of yourself than just that. And when I got to school, I realized that, I mean, for one thing, I had struggled with anxiety my whole entire life. And I was, I, I always used to say this, like I was just too proud in quotes to, to say that I was struggling with anything because to me, that was a sign of weakness. That was a sign of you're not strong enough and all of these things and all the, like the toxic masculinity, mm. <laughs> this idea that was really seeped into my subconscious. But, you know, I, when I went to school, I could no longer not confront a lot of these, these battles, these internal battles, because I, I couldn't keep it hidden. Like I had really done so well when I was at home. So yeah, to answer your question, I going to school, not only showed me, it almost, it not only proved to me that I wasn't taking care of myself, but it really did 
break me open in so many different aspects. For one, like my struggle with food, I, again, it was something that I could really easily hide underneath the ego, my, my perfectionist ego and these tendencies that I had picked up because I, I was in that rigid routine at home with my parents and I was in a comfortable environment. But as soon as I stepped out of that comfort zone, I was thrown into deep, the deep end, like you said, and everything just rose to the surface. It had, it had really shown me all of the things underlying my, this false sense of security, this, this really delicate, you know, form mm. of structure that I had put in, in my mind and in and implemented into my life, but there was really no foundation underneath it because the, in, like, if we were going to go really down into it, like I, there was so much that I, I was so empty inside. I, I was not happy with who I was. I was I, again, struggling anxiety wasn't even like the beginning of it. There was just so yeah. much internal hatred for myself and a lot of, again, underlying belief systems that were just coming to the surface. So going to school was something that really shifted my whole entire life. I, I did actually really love it and enjoy it because through that pain and through all the hardships and the experiences that I went through, I was able to grow and evolve mm -hmm. so much and become the woman I am today, but it was not easy. <laughs> there was so much like deep darkness that I really had to kind of go through in order to, to grow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like, <clears throat> it's very difficult to go through that experience, especially when you're stuck in that pattern of being too proud. Like what I was saying of like, couldn't possibly ask or couldn't possibly reveal my full self. Like if I think about my early twenties and I mean, even though I say we like don't move out to uni, I, I've still moved out when I was 19 and I was stubbornly independent. Like I really right. wanted to prove that I could do things on my own. And mm -hmm. I think that really pushed me away from people. And I've found now as I enter my like later, you know, twenties, I'm, I'm almost 27. Mm -hmm. I, and because of the work that I do and I'm really intentional, I've become incredibly self-aware and I'm always kind of like working on, you know, figuring out who I am because it's an ongoing yeah. journey, oh, but yeah. I've just found <laughs> now it's like, I'm not constantly performing. And so to be myself isn't mm -hmm. exhausting. But when I was stuck in this mindset of like, got to be thinner, got to be funnier, got to be more popular. It was mm -hmm. so exhausting to move through the world. And so therefore really dark and you're constantly feeling just overwhelmed and worried about people, what people are thinking of you. And yeah, that was a really challenging time. However, and, and I can hear this from your voice as well in the way that you share your journey. It makes you so um, oh, sensitive and in a good way though, in, the, in a way that you can be so empathetic to the world around you in a way that mm -hmm. you can then really understand this is what it feels like to be really grateful, to feel like you would really enjoy life. But this, at, and I only know that at such a great depth because I've been on the other side. Like I often say to my clients and in my programs, even though having an eating disorder was so isolating and so painful at the time, still now to this day, and I would say I've been healed from my eating disorder for like over two, like two or three years, like a com considerable amount of time. Still to this day, when I can like sit down and just eat exactly what I want to eat, I feel this like sparkliness within me. I'm like, oh, it's just so good mm -hmm. to be able to eat food with such ease. And I wouldn't feel like that had I not have gone through the struggles that I did earlier on in my, like, you know, in my journey. So do you feel like that yeah. as well? Oh my goodness. Yes. So it's so funny. I always tell people that I am so thankful for my eating disorder. Mm. I mean, it truly during it, 
I would be like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. But now looking back and seeing how much it's shown me, how much I've grown and how much I enjoy life so much more now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I truly think it was a blessing in disguise. And I fully believe that everything happens for us and it it is here to show us something. And we're, you know, it's placed in our life because we, we, it's time to grow and it's time to up level and really transcend through a lot of this. Right. And so my eating disorder, what it, it did bring me into like such depth and so such darkness, but on the other side of it, it has allowed me to then just expand my capacity to feel great and, and expand like the greatness too of everything. And it's that much more heightened because I remember like viscerally remember how, how difficult it was. Mm. And, it, and again, yeah, eating food, that's the thing too. It's, it's so great. <laughs> yeah, <I love laughs> Like, eating. like eat, food is awesome. I, there was so, so long in my journey, probably a couple of years where and obviously you experienced binge eating too, but where I was so afraid of food, I thought it was the enemy. I thought every single thing was just trying to make me gain a hundred pounds. And it was just so much anxiety and fear and discomfort that I thought I would never enjoy food again. Like I, I literally was at that place yeah. where I am broken. I, this is never going to be, I'm never going to be like anybody else. And to be on the other side of that, like completely, like fully say, oh yeah, no, this, that, that is so far from my existence now. It's, it's almost crazy (laughs) to be able to sit and enjoy whatever you want to enjoy and genuinely nourish yourself from the inside out. There is nothing like it. Mm. I I still, yeah, there's still times where I'm like, wow, this pizza is just so good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's the best. Yeah. And I used (sighs) to like, when I was like in the thick of my eating disorder, I used to sit there and watch other people eat and be like, wow, I wonder what it would be like to just eat the food and not overthink it and just enjoy it. And then just like be finished and forget about it and move on. Like I used to really Mm -hmm. dream about that. Whereas now it's like, that's what I do. And I don't even second guess it. And you're obviously in that place too, which is Mm -hmm. incredible. So how did you get to where you are? Yeah, it's a great question. So after I really started opening up about my disorder. I sought out therapy in college. I just really started talking more about my experience. Um, that definitely did help. However, I think what really, um, what really like, uh, expedited my healing process was when I joined my hunger for happiness certification, Mm -hmm. because I had really actually healed a lot of my, um, binging, you know, a lot of that had really subsided, but I had this deep underlying fear of food. Mm. Because what I didn't know going into the certification was that I still, there were so many internal things that I was still so wounded and there was so many things that I just didn't truly accept and love myself for. And because of that, I was still really fear, fear of weight gain. And there, there was just all that stuff. There was mm-hmm. the exercise that was still an issue at that point. So when I finally joined this, pro, like this program, right, where we just to- totally deep dove into all of what was underlying our you know, behaviors and our beliefs and just everything under, even underneath the mindset, just like complete embodiment work. That is when I can fully say that, oh, things healed because I, I was really confronting and like cracking myself open into all of these, <laughs> these processes that we really never, never talk about. Mm. And throughout that process, you know, I was in, I'm in a, I'm still in it. I have about, I graduated in I think a month. Oh my gosh. See, it's time is such a concept right now. But I'm in a cohort with 50 other women and we are all going through it together, which is so beautiful. And throughout this entire, you know, this entire year now that it's been, it has allowed me to just accept and love my body for what it is and not feel the need 
to shift and change it from a place of fear and hating myself and just the anxiety and all of that that was there. Um, I, I, I don't know how to really describe mm. the difference of what it was like the energetics of what it used to be versus now, because now there's just so much trust and surrender with the process and just allowing myself to be who I am and knowing that when I'm fully showing up for myself internally, that things on the outside will work out. And I, I just trust that, but you know, that, that definitely did take me a couple of years. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to, to seem like it was super quick because I, I know that, that pain and that suffering of, Oh wow, everybody else has figured it out. Why haven't I? you know, that, that getting caught up in why am I not farther along or why am I not healed or why am I still stuck in this? Because I was definitely there for, oh, at least four years for sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I can totally relate to that. Like I had this feeling, I remember very viscerally of just trying to keep my head above water. And I just felt like, you know, that's why I would stare at other people and I'd be like, you seem to be, and obviously these are all assumptions that I would just make, but like, that's Mm -hmm. what would be going on in my brain. I'd be like, you seem to be fine. You seem to be enjoying food. You can just make decisions. Whereas I'd be sitting there stuck and paralyzed for years and years. And like I said, even though, I mean, it's taught me now lessons and I've obviously, it gave me, like, it made me so uncomfortable to be in that place that it Mm -hmm. forced me to make a change and to learn about myself, right? Because that discomfort Mm -hmm. is what we need so that we actually make a change. Or, I mean, I guess, you know, some people do stay stuck in that and kind of play into that victim mindset a little bit. But Mm -hmm. I think when I was listening to you talking about being in that um, cohort with 50 other women that are also going through a like-minded experience, for me Mm -hmm. personally, like even though I'd done a lot of my own healing work when I launched my business two years ago, to then be sharing about it so openly on social media has mm-hmm. actually been very therapeutic and more than you would think. I, I find oh, often yeah. people are worried about sharing too much online or, you know, sh- oversharing, like being too personal. And of course the, you know, if you're posting like just a million stories of you talking about your life, which is not really like value adding, like maybe, mm-hmm. okay, check in with yourself and <laughs> yeah. see how much you really need to share. But right. I, for some reason, when I launched my business, I just was so open and vulnerable with my struggles, even though I'd never really spoken about it to anyone. Mm -hmm. But in doing that, it's actually been so therapeutic. And now that it's just out there in the open, people don't look at me and pity me. They're like, wow, that's really cool that you've been through that. And like, they admire me and they want to be where I'm at now because I've been able Mm -hmm. to speak about the hard times and what things, what most people don't speak about either. And so being able to share that and having it been received so well has been incredibly healing in my own journey and really owning that story. And just that extra layer of like, confidence around my journey. And so mm-hmm. not obviously not everyone wants to share their journey on social media, but yeah. I feel like that's why being in a group of like-minded individuals that have been through something can is so important and more than you realize, right? So you being in this oh group God, in yes. or this certification, like hearing other people going through similar experiences, I'm sure has also given you the opportunity to like speak your truth and to let it be received and to let it really land. And that's something that mm-hmm. I aim to do within my group programs as well. And a lot of people are worried about doing group programs, especially when we're talking about something so vulnerable, but yeah, this extra layer of magic that you get by being able to speak about what you're going through and have it so understood by someone else, right? Oh, absolutely. And just, yeah, to speak more on that, I am so thankful that my program was a group program because again, it, 
it, there, there is so much um, comfort and I almost want to say healing itself in knowing that you're not alone. And so when somebody else shares their experience and you're like, oh yeah, I really resonate with that. I mean, th- that in itself is like, oh great, we can talk about that together. Like, yay. <laughs> knowing that you're not alone is so healing. And again, being able to share so openly in such like a loving, compassionate way, knowing that it will be received and people aren't going to judge you or shame you or think differently of you. It's, it's so, so healing. And I love that you're running group programs because that is something that shifted so much for me. So, so much for me. And also going, um, going off of what you said earlier about, you know, once you launched your business and started to really speak about your struggle so openly and with such vulnerability, I completely agree. I, when I launched my, I actually started with just an Instagram account because I wanted to just start sharing about my experience or I started actually with a blog. What am I saying? And then I transitioned over to Instagram, but I, I was so afraid of what people would think and how it would be received because I didn't want to break down that facade of I'm perfect and I've got my shit together because, you know, but when I started to do that, I also found it so therapeutic because Mm -hmm. I could really just share my experiences through my words and through my writing. And in doing that, knowing that it also might help somebody else is the most fulfilling like concept that I can even fathom. And knowing that every single experience, if I choose to, to make it mean something, and if I choose to extract the, the lesson and the data and whatever, however you like to view it, the information that I can possibly help somebody else too, is it just makes it so worth it. And that much more healing for myself as well. Mm -hmm. Mm, Yes. Yes. It's, yeah, it's incredible. And I always say to my clients, like, um, you know, be, try to be as vulnerable as you can in a group program. And a lot of the time my clients have never spoken openly about what they're going through because of like what Mm -hmm. you were saying. But if you can push yourself that little bit, it really does bring you to that next level and you can just then because then you kind of like practice speaking about it which then means you can be more comfortable talking about it to other people or your partner or your friends or or whatever it is um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how are you now with exercise just to kind of jump back before you were saying so you're doing like a bar and more Mm -hmm. like chill things now and moving from the hit because i I actually did like a little stint and I was talking, I just joined a new gym and I, I was talking to the, um, this girl that I was doing the circuit with this morning. I was like, how long have you been at the gym for? She's like, Oh yeah, a couple of months. Like I'm really enjoying it. I moved from doing CrossFit and she was saying about how this new gym that we were at wasn't quite as intense. And I was like, you know what? I actually really like that because I did a brief stint at CrossFit. Have you ever done CrossFit before? No, I haven't, but I actually have a lot of, so a lot of the women and my good friends in the program, um, are in CrossFit and they mm-hmm. talk about it, how they want to chill, <laughs> like chill the fuck yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. So I did. So when we went, when we came out of lockdown, I did, I was kind of like sussing out what gyms that I wanted to do. Cause up until mm-hmm. that point, I kind of always done my own program or like I, I did powerlifting. Like I've just jumped around and explored a lot of things, which is always fun. And yeah. I did CrossFit for like a month, but to be honest, I only really did it for two weeks because it was super intense. And, mm-hmm. but that was a really good like moment for me to reflect on my own journey. Cause I think you know, five years ago, had I have committed to CrossFit, I would have been like, you must do it. And if you don't do it, then you're weak and there's something wrong with you. Whereas I was like, whoa, this is really intense. I don't actually enjoy it. Yes. Maybe some other people can do it. And I think there used to be that certain level of like competitiveness for me as well of like, Mm -hmm. well, Mm -hmm. if these people are doing it, then, you know, I should just not be a pussy and just do it kind of thing. Literally. (laughs) Yeah. But now I, I literally, it's, it amazes me how little competition I have. And like, sometimes the trainers will say to me in the thing like, oh, you know, like, um, 
try and beat your time. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it exactly the way that I want to do it. And so for Mm -hmm. me to be able to have that, and it's kind of like a level of confidence, isn't it? To just be like, this is what I want to do. This is what feels right for my body. And probably Mm -hmm. you can relate to the feeling of like, I've exercised so hard for most of my life. Now I just want to come in, shake it up a bit and leave. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes. Like a hundred percent. Yes. I, um, so, okay. This is, so going back to your question, I, I actually recently got knee surgery. So you know how I told you I injured my knee about a year and a half ago now at this point? I finally got knee surgery um, for that injury. So the past month, I've been doing nothing. (laughs) I've Mm. been very minimally doing like bar um, now that I'm doing physical therapy and all those things. But leading up to that, you know, after my whole obsession with HIIT workouts and really, again, if I wasn't in the class, I was a failure. I was weak. Mm-hmm. I was going to gain weight, like all these things. And I was just spiral downwards in my head. I, that's when I really did shift. And I, cause I, I knew that I meant for my mental health, moving is still such like an important yeah. aspect of my day to day. And it allows me, yes, like to show up super powerful and high vibe and all those things. And I know that taking care of myself is a necessity, especially working and owning your own business. Right. And so what I started doing was then I transitioned into bar workouts, which I absolutely adore. Like I, there's a place called pure bar here. I don't know if you guys have that. No, no, probably. I, it's probably just like a U.S. It might be Canada too, but not super close to Australia. So I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that has been the biggest shift for me was when I did start doing bar workouts going into the room and just seeing how strong I was like physically saying, looking at myself in the mirror and being like, wow, I can lift this weight or like seeing myself like struggle because when, I don't know if you have done bar workouts, but they're so difficult. Mm -hmm. Like like, you're barely moving. It doesn't look like it's hard, but you're in it and you are shaking to your (laughs) core and you, you want to give up, but it's, there's something so like empowering about that when you're in that when you're in that mirror and you're like, Oh my God, I am so strong. Like literally just for lifting this weight, I am so strong. Mm. And again, that lack of competitiveness, I, you should see me like when I work out now. So we have not been, I have not been in a gym in a really long time, like probably, I don't know, six months. Mm. And so we just have like some weights in my basement and like a treadmill. So obviously I'm not running now, but when I work out, I, literally like sing half the time. I am very minimally like sticking to any sort of routine because right now that's just kind of what's in flow for me. Like that's what feels really good is to just be super intuitive and do a weight sequence and then stop and then just like stretch and then maybe do another one. Like it's so, I don't even know what to, I'm just having fun <laughs> to be honest. Like that's kind of how I base my workouts right now. Um, and this past, past month has been really just stretching and very minimally moving. But you know, I don't really remember what your question was. I'm so sorry. Just your new exercise routine. But yeah, that no, that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think even at the start of this podcast episode, you were talking about how, you know, like your body kind of, it, it's almost like your body gives you an injury in a weird way. And I don't know how it happens mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you need to stop and find, well, and, the, and this is kind of my personal experience. So let me know if you resonate with this, but like whenever I've had an injury, it's been because my body and I've always, like, it's always given me a moment to be like, okay, how else? can you spend your time? How else do you identify as? Because for me, definitely coming out of school at, at like even at high school, I was very much known as like the fit girl. Like I was the girl that went to the gym before school and then I would, you know, whatever. And so I was, and then I became a PT as soon as I left school, like a personal trainer, as yeah. soon as I left school. So I was very much 
entangled with this identity of being the fit girl. And so Mm. whenever I did anything outside of that identity, say I went to a festival and I drank on the weekend or I went out and ate a burger, especially when I was 19. So this was like eight, seven years ago that there was no such thing as like food freedom or like intuitive eating or body positivity. Like that was literally not a thing. So I, I couldn't in my mind, I couldn't bring the two together. And so that led to me feeling really ashamed of myself, really ashamed of my actions. And so now, like whenever I haven't, well, I mean, not, not so much now because I'm, I would say that I am very accepting of the fact that I'm a multidimensional human. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you can go out and have a wine on the weekends and still be the fit person. You can watch Netflix all weekend and still be a successful person. Like so often we think that one cancels out the other, but it actually Mm -hmm. doesn't because it's all a belief system, right? But when you have an injury like that, it can be, it can really mess with your head for sure. Because when you can't exercise as well and you're limited in what you can do, there's such a greater mental impact than I think we give ourselves credit for. But also then it can be a moment where you can decide, okay, well, how else do I like to identify as? What else can I do that gives me a sense of of self, right? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So God, I want to like, I want to hug you right now because you're, you're so right. I mean, that's the thing. I had completely put myself in a box. I, mm. everything was like one thing or the other to me. And I didn't understand that we can hold space for everything, mm. right? We're just the observer of our experience and we do fundamentally get to choose who we want to be and how we want to show up. And so when I did originally injure myself and I was like, oh my goodness, I can't work out every day. What am I going to do? I, I had that almost like egoic death. Like I was like, what is happening to me? Cause I didn't know what to do. And I was freaking out. This was my soul identity. I need to be fit, all these things. And when I finally did join my hunger for happiness, I finally found other avenues to really deepen my sense of self and deepen those, those modalities of, okay, who do I want to be? What other identities do I actually want to hold that really serve me? Because this whole fit athletic food obsessed, crazed person is not helping. Like, mm-hmm. it, and it's also not healthy for you. And that's when I really leaned into more like meditation and really figuring out who I was on the inside. Because up until then, I hadn't really done a lot of like self-inquiry. Mm. I, I was really just running on autopilot and kind of filling, checking the boxes above who everybody expected me to be and not actually choosing, okay, who does Emily actually want to be? Yeah. Totally. So I just, yeah. I completely resonate with the the whole idea of, you know, we can only have one identity or we can't, you know, there's we we put ourselves into these these boxes, these labels, these conditions that truly there's no basis in. We can choose who we want to be each and every day and it can change. Right? We reserve the right to change our minds. I think that's one of the biggest things that I have really taken with me throughout these past couple of months, probably year now that I don't have to be the person that everybody else knew me as. I get to choose who I am today and continue with my journey on. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also, I think what holds us back so often is like, well, this thing worked for me for a while, so I should keep doing it or I should be grateful for it. You know, if I change my mind, then that means I'm not grateful for it. But it's like, no, you can be grateful for something. You can know something worked really well for you for a time, but then Mm -hmm. also change your mind, change your mind, like change tracks. It's okay to do that. And like, so often we're waiting for permission or we're waiting for a sign or we're waiting for someone to tell us it's okay. But the longer you wait, the more you're just losing out on doing what truly serves you. So it's okay to change your mind for sure. So I'd love to hear from you then. Like I know you mentioned when we were talking 
that breath work has been quite a big um, mm. element in your transformation and your healing journey. And I, I yes. personally have actually, I've done a little bit of breath work. I'm very into mm-hmm. like meditation and I've done it at a few events and that kind of thing. And yeah. I under, I kind of get the vibe of why it would be so helpful because obviously when we're in our head so much, we can only think about things so much, right? We can only like overanalyze and think about things and let go and really have that kind of like cerebral understanding of things. But the the integral part of healing that I think a lot of people miss out on and why some people might sometimes feel like, oh, but I'm doing the journaling and I'm doing the work is actually being able to embody it, like feeling it in Mm -hmm. your body. So do you want to run us through yeah, like breath work, explain a little bit what it is. Like probably I, I would say some people on the podcast might not even know what it is. So that would be a great yeah. thing to Oh, hell yeah. I love this. So it's funny because I didn't know what breath work was before meeting my mentor, Samantha mm-hmm. Skelly. And I actually was introduced to it. There was a conference in San Diego called Pays to be Brave. I don't know if you're familiar with it, um, but there's actually a lot of like international people who who went. But anyway, so my my mentor, Samantha, she got up on stage and she's like, okay, so we are all going to breathe for the next 10 minutes. And this was before I even was like meditating or doing anything. And I was like, what is this woman talking about? Like, she's crazy. Mm. And so she had us, there's 1500 women in this, this huge conference room. Right. And she has us doing this breath pattern and, you know, I'm breathing and I kind of feel like I'm going to pass out for a long time. It, it did take me a little bit, a little mm. while to get into this, but I remember at the end of this experience, like all of a sudden, like all of every single woman in this conference room was like bawling their eyes out or crying or laughing or just so joyous. And I'm like, what just happened to my body? Like I am numb. I am tingly. There's just like energy in me. I don't know what just happened. So to answer your question, what breathwork is, it really is just a way of, of breathing that really like elicits a lot of our, um, it brings up a lot of like emotion in our body. It really just allows us to tap into, again, that embodiment work when we're doing the things, we're doing the journaling, we're doing the, we're telling ourselves the affirmation, all the mindset stuff, but it's not really like hitting us on a visceral level. Mm. And so why I have, how I use breath work, because I'm still getting into it myself and there's so much room for growth and I'm Mm. gonna continue on this journey for sure. But what I really like it for is, again, what you said to kind of, pause my mind, like put, tell my mind to like shut up for a second. Because again, I have that really obsessive mind that if I focus on something, I really cannot put the cup down. So breath work, it only takes me, oh my God, maybe 30 seconds to really get out of my head and into my body. Because what I do is either before meditation or when I just need, you know, energy or whatever it is, there's different breathing patterns to elicit different things. So whether it's to gain energy or to relax and all of the things, there's so much out there. But how I like to use it is just, again, put my mind on hold when I realize I'm either spiraling into like a self-sabotaging behavior or I'm observing my thoughts and they are just going, I'm too tired and I, I can't really take control. Breathwork has been something that is so helpful to just mm. get me back centered, like tap into my intuition, be like, okay, let's just reset for a second. And it takes no time at all. <laughs> yeah. Mm, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And I think it's <sighs> just those really like 
little things that we can do and that we can kind of like little tools that we can just add to our, our toolbox that help us to get out of our head and into our bodies. And I think so many of us are walking around constantly fretting and freaking out and having all these thoughts and not having a way to actually like just come back into your body. And, And that's really all that it is. But when we're not aware of that or when we kind of dismiss it and we don't think that it's actually important because, you know, Mm it's talking about toxic masculinity, right? It's not about feeling the feelings. It's about how can you get things done and what can you make and how can you create things and be productive? But Mm -hmm. being Mm -hmm. able to tap into your body is incredibly healing and really just like it, it, and you know, there is, there is like that level of resistance around that. And so why, why do you think Mm -hmm. we have that resistance around breath work or any sort of self-care tool like that? Yeah. Honestly, for so long, I thought it was me being selfish. Like I, I was raised obviously in a, an environment that really does validate you for the hustle, the, the work until you pass out mentality, right? Like the, the accolades, the external validation was huge. And so when I was originally introduced to breath work and meditation, I was like, what is like, I thought it was so weird. I was like, there's no way this is going to work. There, there's no way. And you know, it wasn't until I actually started doing it and leaning in, even when there was resistance. I think that was the thing that was the biggest shift for me because I didn't want to do it. Like on the level of the mind, I was super resistant, but mm-hmm. my, like I would, when I, when I had a little bit of glimpse back then into my intuition back then, I didn't really know what it was. And now I'm yep. a lot more tapped into it, but I was like, what is this urge to do it? Even though I don't like doing it, something keeps like nudging at me that I should be doing it. (laughs) And I couldn't place a finger on it. Like I couldn't mentally logically think why I wanted to still do this, but I was doing it anyways. And the more that I was able to, to utilize these techniques and whether that was breath work or meditation and just these forms of self-care and just really showing up authentically for myself, I was able to start understanding like the ROI of that and, and really realizing that when you show up for yourself, every single person around you, it it, it helps them. Like there's just so much benefit for just living for yourself. (laughs) And I I guess you don't really get that because nobody teaches you that in in school or at at university, you know, that's not what they're, they're not like, Hey, yeah, go meditate for three hours and do breath work and live a happy life. Like that's kind of not the point. (laughs) But in my opinion, I think we're vastly missing the point in so many areas of just society these days, I think that we are all running on autopilot and we don't ever stop and get down to what we really desire, right? Who are we? Mm. <laughs> what do we want in this lifetime? Because we only really have this one. Um, and yeah, so I, I was also going to say that if you're audience is interested in the actual breath pattern that I like to use, I can just go through it really quickly if that's something that you're Yes. In. I was literally going to ask if you can give us an example. Teach us. If yes. you're happy to do it, I would be so keen to hear. Absolutely. So my favorite um, breath pattern that I like to use, it's called a triactive breath pattern. So what it is, is you breathe in through your stomach, up through your chest and out through your mouth. So it, I know you, you can see me, but it sounds like this. I probably look mm. a little weird, but <laughs> it's really continuing this, this circular motion of, again, in through the stomach, up through the chest, and out through the mouth. And what you really want to do is make it a continual breath pattern because it, it really moves so much energy in your body. Like I did it three times and I'm already dizzy yeah. because I do it so much. <laughs> but I, you know, when I started doing this, I would have to do it for about like a minute to feel any effect. And now I 
Do that for about 15 times. I hold at the top at the last one and then I breathe out. And I'm like pretty high. <laughs> like I'm not gonna lie. I it's like the craziest feeling because you're you're just like your body is so much energy and you get to really uncover so much of that, um, the emotions underlying everything. And it's what I also why I do it so often is because I had a really tough time getting into meditation and I had a really tough time getting out of exercise too. Like it kind of gives me that endorphin rush a little Mm -hmm. bit that I really craved when I was doing that like intense running and HIIT workouts that, um, you know, I, when I injured myself, I could no longer do. So it also allowed me to kind of utilize that, that form of just like heavy breathing in a way that wasn't hurting my body, (laughs) but still gave me the benefits. Wow. That is so interesting. I'm like sitting here trying to breathe through my stomach and I don't really mm-hmm. think I've, like I do, like sometimes I, you know, you think about not breathing into your shoulders and your chest because that can yeah. up your nervous system. So you mm-hmm. breathe in through your stomach, into your chest yeah. and then out through your mouth. Wow. Yeah. And there's so many different like, breath re- Yeah. Re-listen to this and like <laughs> practice. Oh, fascinating. Oh, absolutely. So, like you don't need to do it for, do you need to do it for long or how does it work? Oh my goodness. No. I mean, so when I started doing it, there's a couple different types and I'm not like an actual breathwork facilitator who will, there's people who will have you breathing for like an hour long. And that's just not something that I'm there at yet. Who knows in a couple years if I'll like be into it that much. But, um, these short practices, I mean, I do this, it takes me maybe a minute to really just like before this, before coming on this podcast, I'll Mm -hmm. do a quick little sequence of 15 breaths, hold at the top and release, check in with my body see how I'm doing. And if it feels comfortable and I feel safe enough to continue, I will. And when I I say safe enough, it's just knowing that, you know, I have full autonomy over my body and self-agency. So if, if I'm not feeling it, I'm not going to like push myself because that's so far from the point of, yeah, everything. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I think when I started doing these practices, I probably did it for more like three minutes before I'd actually feel anything. And now it, takes me about 15 breaths and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm chilling. <laughs> yeah. Cause so. your body probably know it, your body, your body needs to get used to it as well. It's like when you first yeah. do exercise for the first time, your body kind of goes into a bit of shock and then eventually it's oh, like, yeah. oh, okay, like now we're comfortable. Now we can more enjoy oh, it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. There is a complete learning curve. And mm. I, what I love about it is that you don't need to be, I mean, you could go, if you work like a corporate job or if you, if you're, I don't know, in a class and you really, you don't need to have to go anywhere to do this. Like you can just be in your body. Maybe you're trying to fall asleep at night and you you know, breathing is going to help. Like this is just Mm. something that is accessible to everybody. And that's why I think everybody should deserves to know about it. Right. Like we have these tools inside of us that are are, so much wisdom and just, you know, in, in that itself. And so I think that everybody deserves to know that if just by breathing and and taking control of certain breath patterns, they can fundamentally shift how they live their life, how they show up, what they think, how to really stop those, those thoughts from really continuing to spiral. Um, and yeah, it's, that's just why I, I love to share. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. I'm, I'm excited to practice. Um, all right. So we're going to wrap up. I've got three rapid fire questions. You all good to do those? Yes, let's let's do it. Okay, perfect. So, what's your favorite food? Uh, okay. Um, this is a really tough question. <laughs> yes. But at the moment. So, I don't know if this counts as a food, but I am like addicted to pesto. Mm. 
Yeah. I, it might be because I studied in Italy for a while and I got mm. super bougie into like all the food there. So pesto is one of those things that I will put on pasta. I'll put on pizza. I will put like, I will just eat pesto. It's kind of gross. But, um, so yeah, pesto would be my favorite food. Yum. That was a long answer to a I, short question. Yeah. Pesto pasta. So simple, but so delicious. Mm-hmm. I love it. I eat it all the time. So good. Oh. Yeah. Probably an unhealthy amount. Who knows? I don't even care. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I vibe it. Um, what's something you're working on within yourself at the moment? Mm. I am learning how to balance the journey of entrepreneurship, mm. um, especially during this time. I think mm-hmm. that allowing kind of just as I have a relationship to myself and my body and food, learning to now have a relationship to my business as well and allowing mm. that to unfold as I am continuing to unfold myself having space for both. I absolutely feel that. Yeah. Yeah. And the last question, (laughs) as this is the peaceful body podcast, what does having a peaceful body mean to you? Mm. It means being so fully present with myself, with my body and knowing that that is the point, that that is something I get to do, knowing that the struggle, it doesn't have to be a struggle, Mm. that it gets to be easy. And I'm allowed to tap into my body at every moment in time, knowing that that is my birthright and it's something that gets to be there. Perfect. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. Beautiful. And where can everyone find you? Yeah. So I'm super active on social media. Instagram would probably be the easiest uh, way to find me. My handle is at let's get them with three underscores. I am constantly on there. And I also have a website, which is let's get them.squarespace.com. And yeah, I will be actually starting a podcast very soon. So I will, you know, I'll be super active on there as well. Um, I have a lot of really exciting things coming as I'm finally finishing up my own certification program and launching my coaching business. So very exciting. Brilliant. What an exciting time for you. And we will leave all of your links in the show notes as well. So everyone can go and find you and see how all of your creations come to life. How exciting. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your um, experiences on the podcast. I really appreciate it, Emily. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me again. This was such a joy. (laughs) 